Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, today we are talking about PolarTech, which is a very interesting company with a hundred year old history. And yet, there's a pretty good chance that you aren't too familiar with them since PolarTech makes the textiles and fabrics that a lot of your favorite outerwear and gloves and apparel are made of, but PolarTech doesn't make or sell the end products themselves. So, in other words, PolarTech makes the ingredients that are then used in the end products that we all go buy. And so today we are going to go deep into talking about ingredients and textiles and fabrics and PolarTech's history and what PolarTech is up to today. And we're going to do that with our very own Lou Kappa and Michael Kottenach, who is the product design director at PolarTech. So yeah, if you are a true gearhead, you are going to love this conversation. And if you are not yet a full-on gear obsessive, but you'd like to better understand what waterproof means and when you should and when you shouldn't worry about a 10K or a 20K rating on the jacket or pants you're thinking of buying, well, then you too ought to listen to this conversation. Now, To be clear, and as I just said above, we really do get into the weeds a good bit in this conversation, and so I strongly encourage you to check out the show notes that we have to this episode where we have listed a number of very relevant terms and definitions that I suspect like 99% of you listening to this will want to check out, and we include things like CFM and what that means, and we explain out a bit things like hydrostatic head, what that is and how it works. So seriously, check out the show notes to this episode on our website, and we'll include a link to the website page in the show notes that are right there on your phone to help you get to these related terms and definitions in just one click. And so with that, here we go. Okay, I am here with Luke Kappa and Michael Kottenach who is the Global Product Director for PolarTech. And so, Michael, I think we ought to start with, well, for those who might not know, tell us a bit about PolarTech. Sure. Hey, Luke. Hey, Jonathan. Pleasure to be here. Um, You know, PolarTech's history goes back around 100 years, maybe a little over 100 years now. That was a company called Malden Mills, which was established back in the 1910, maybe 1911, something like that, in Malden, round about north of uh, Boston. Uh, that was a company that was making woven products, making knitted products, mostly from wool. You're talking pre, uh, pre-synthetic textiles, right? So the uh, Malden mills, in one shape or another, existed all the way through the sort of tail end of the um, Industrial Revolution in, in New England, where all the mills were. Gradually, those mills were moving down south and uh, Malden Mills was finding new ways to, to uh, diversify their business and new ways to, um, to survive, frankly. You know, roll forward to 1980, 1981, and you have Politech inventing synthetic fleece, fleece that everyone 
knows and loves. Uh, it sounds crazy for people our age, but fleece at some point did not exist and had to be invented, and it was a <laughs> Polytech invention. That was taking some of the things they knew about knitting, taking some of the things they knew about how to make raised pile surfaces. Uh, Malden Mills at that point was uh, had a reasonable size of business making uh, upholstery fabrics and making kind of like... Uh, kind of 70s looking hairy fake fur type stuff so if you put all those things together it's not a huge step to get to um get to synthetic fleece it was certainly a huge step when it was introduced to the market because there really hadn't been anything that told the story of uh high warmth without weight uh so that's been politics story for a long time is having a, a a warm product without the physiological burden so when was that? That was 1981. In fact, next year we were going to be, we are going to be celebrating 40 years of firsts. So 40 years since the invention of fleece and 40 years since all the other innovations that have came on after that, be it iterative changes to fleece or improvements or moves into to new categories completely. So uh, so back to Malden Mills, you know, Polytech was a product. Polytech and Polar Fleece were products of Malden Mills company. Uh I guess the the honest side of things is that there's been a checkered history of financing and bankruptcies and chapter 11 kind of stuff through the 90s, uh, late 80s and 90s. And uh, Malden Mills was restructured into the company being Polytech at that point. So that's really mirrors this upsurge in usage of uh, technical clothing in the market, you know, in the market that we, we know and love today. So, yeah, it's kind of one of those things. You kind of forget that fleece had to be invented at some point, and certainly people forget that it was Polytech that did it. You know, that, that it's really just been ubiquitous in the market ever since then. So, these, you know, since uh, I joined Polytech in 2011, having spent some time in other outdoor clothing, um, outdoor materials companies. You know, and what was really impressed with the company is that they were able to have this this regular cadence of new releases to the market of um, of game-changing or perceivably different ways of solving the problem for keeping people warm and dry and comfortable in the sports that we all know and love. So that was something that, like the first day was my first day was really the the launch of Neo Shell, and immediately where people were saying, "What's next? What's coming next?" And it really has been a challenge for us in the product and development world to to keep the foot on the gas and keep putting new products in there to uh, to satisfy everyone. Now you are the global product director. That is a very impressive sounding title. You also don't sound like you grew up on the south side of Boston. Tell me a little bit about your own history to becoming this, you know, title I'm jealous of. All right. I think I could summarize it by saying I've been bluffing my way in textiles for over 20 years now. But uh, the truth of it is, I was uh, born and brought up in Scotland. I uh, always had an uh, inclination and uh, I always thought I'd find myself in the in the sciences. You know, that was what I was really interested in in school, high school. You know, it was kind of that nerdy annoying kid so um yeah i found myself doing polymer science uh polymer chemistry at university and i don't know i just i I found myself taking a temporary assignment um like a six-month contract with gore-tex who had a place outside edinburgh in scotland at the time and uh i guess i was just lucky the face fitted and they liked what i was doing and i went on to um 
to bluff my way through textiles for a bunch of years. You know, the, the time at Gore-Tex was great. It's real education. You know, they've got an amazing company with a great way of educating people. And I've been in this field ever since. Went from Gore-Tex to, went to work for GE, part of their event product range, doing microfiltration, similar kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You could say I was the kind of poster boy for LinkedIn. I found the uh, somebody contacted me on LinkedIn and said, hey, I know a company that's looking for X, Y, Z. And I was like, okay, that, that's kind of the stuff I like. And uh, <laughs> six months later, I was packing the kids in a suitcase and moving to the U.S. So, yeah. American citizen now, guys. Hey. Nice. <laughs> American citizen. <laughs> Sweet. So I think uh, we can just dive into the nitty-gritty details at this point. And one of the things we want to focus on for this conversation is a product that a lot of us really love, and it's Polar Tech Neo Shell, which you alluded to before. Um, and I think to, for starters, um, for the folks out there who aren't super into the outdoor fabric industry or aren't keeping tabs on every single textile out there. Could you give us a little background about the initial release of Neo Shell, kind of the purpose of it when it first came out, and then and then we can kind of go into how it fits into the ever-evolving waterproof breathable market? Yeah, I could certainly do that, Luke. So, I mean, keeping someone dry is really easy, right? There's there's thousands of ways to keep people dry. You can just wrap them in some kind of tarpaulin. You can wrap them in some kind of, uh, you know, just any kind of polythene bag. Garbage bag is going to keep you dry. But it's dry and comfortable. That's really the it's really the kicker. That's what really makes people feel different. And everything in Politex range is about making people feel like their clothes are not a problem. You know, we really want people to put them on and forget about it. You don't want to have... Uh, if we go to like the, some of the technical uh, descriptions of these things, we don't want to have too many donning and doffing events. You know, we're putting jackets on, taking them off. We don't want to have too many because that's all places where you're either losing time, where you're uh, you're compromising what you're the the heat you've built up, or you're. Uh, uh, you know, in a in a military situation, you become a target, right? <laughs> just if you have to stop to to stay comfortable, you, know, you become a target. You're you're just stood there. So it's all about making stuff work in the broadest range. Uh, you know, the broadest window of conditions that you can possibly think of. So I mentioned some of my history before. You know, I've been in the coming from Scotland. We've got plenty of rain, so I kind of knew weather. <laughs> I knew weather pretty well, and there's there's a kind of an adage in Scotland that there's no such thing as uh, as bad weather, just bad clothing, right? So it's a kind of like a you know the invention of the the Macintosh was was a was a Scottish thing. I think it was just the hundred and whatever anniversary of the invention of the original vulcanized rubber textile Macintosh thing. Obviously, everything was invented in Scotland. In case you didn't know, but. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, it's it's kind of been like a it's been a thing for me that I've just been I've been interested in in that sort of that uh, comfort level and making people keep um, the lack of physiological burden was something I got really interested in in my early years of career and kept it going there. So Politech was the perfect fit for me to to move into this role. Um, Neoshell was not Politech's first attempt at making a waterproof breathable fabric, right? And like, like I said, and not to disparage people that worked on those things, but there was great, successful enough things in the line that were kind of Me Too-ish and really were, uh, were not sort of bending the paradigms or anything of what waterproof breathable was. And... Politech had identified that in order to to have a significant presence in that market, 
in order not just to be a me too and compete in a compete with with something in their in their line which is proudly premium and something that really fits in with the rest of the politics stuff it's it's really not commodity product it's you know reassuringly expensive proudly premium whatever you want to call it they realized that they had to do something different so let's let's turn the argument on its head about waterproof breathable and do something that's truly a breathable waterproof where breathability and comfort and all those attributes that Polytech was known for was also had waterproof added to it. So that was a process of, uh, you know, Polytech's well-connected with the customers, well-connected with literally hundreds of customers. And we polled those people and said, look, what would it mean if we did this? What would the specifications need to be? What would the product look like? What would the product range look, look like? What would the price points look like in order to have something that could be taken seriously and would move the needle and give you the incentive to change from product A, B, C, whatever you're using? So that was really it. It was, t- it was attacked as a very much uh, an engineering problem. And that's, that's the kind of things we like at Polytech. Somebody to say, you know what, this stuff sucks. What can you do about it? And we'll take that on the chin and uh, go analyze it and work out how that problem can be solved. It's um, one of the things that really sold the company to me when I was thinking of the, the, uh, the move was the, the, uh, they told me, says, I wanted to turn this company from a textile mill into a technology company. I thought, well, that's perfect. That's where I want to be. So that worked for me. So that's kind of how the the, um, the need for Polytech NeoShell came around. It was like there's we have base layer stuff, right? We have moisture management that draws moisture away from the skin, takes it to the next layer so that, that ins- you know, in a classic three-layer system, classic three-layer um, clothing system, you know, we have moisture management next to the skin, move the moisture away. You have an insulating there, layer there that is keeping you warm in all these conditions, but allowing excess heat out. Why would we want to put a big monolithic barrier over the top of that? Why would we want to just stop the, the airflow and the moisture movement that you have in this clothing system and have a big barrier there that is either super slow to move moisture across a, a monolithic urethane or is um, or just doesn't let it out at all. So we looked at different ways to crack that puzzle, basically. One interesting thing about NeoShell and something that like we kind of struggle with at Blister is communicating pe- to people the benefits of breathability and the benefits and different levels of weather resistance um, because for a lot of places, especially like where we are in Colorado, people tend to be convinced that they need, they just need the the fabric with the highest hydrostatic head rating. They need it to be the most waterproof, but there is a, there, it's very rare here when you're in an extended downpour for hours but you're very frequently working up a sweat. And I, I would like to get your take on kind of how, how has it been trying to inform customers? Has that been a major goal for Polar Tech, kind of teaching them about a fabric like NeoShell and its per- performance characteristics and why they could be more appealing than other more traditional membranes? Yeah, I mean, you summarized you summarized the last ten years of our battle right there, right? That is that is the thing that the hang tag arms race continues, right? It's it's a very easy thing to say. This one has a 20,000 20, hydrostatic head and has twenty thousand MVTR, right? Those are twenty twenty. It's almost a standard. You you almost need to know, 
you don't even need to know what those things mean to have to feel educated that, that, that that's good right and absolutely for there's some great products products out there that have that that hang tag associated with them and uh they work really well for most people um i think it's i think with politics uh customer base and with the people we wanted to to move this product to they real they, they understood that that was also a limitation of how they could differentiate themselves from the rest of the market right they wanted to have something that was different now I get back to that hang tag arms race. One of our problems is that we don't have an absolute highest number of uh, of hydrostatic uh, head, basically, and we we ignore MVTR RET because we've proven that they're meaningless. What is meaningless and why? Sure, I can go back a little bit. I, I, I'm not. I, I may be a little <laughs> a little amped up and say that it's, it's totally meaningless, right? But let's talk about the the. Um, Let's talk about hydrostatic head pressure first. Hydrostatic head pressure at 20,000, it's up there, right? It's a high pressure. You just have to know what your bike tires are. You think that is a significant pressure. You know, the, the kind of deceit or conceit or whatever you want to call it is that the seams on these jackets are never rated to that level. So uh, with the best seam taping in the world, a shoulder crossover or, you know, any, any kind of complicated part of a garment will only be rated to... Uh, three and a half thousand, maybe a little more um, millimeters of water as a pressure. So, and, and those are those are guaranteed waterproof, right? So, what you're really saying there is that three thousand millimeters of water is enough to keep you dry. I got a lot of different ways to to talk about this when I when I talk about different um, talk to different magazines, talk to different people, whatever. You know, and the, the, it's never really clear cut. But I go back to the kind of umbrella argument, right? You can you can actually keep the rain out with an umbrella or I don't know what the, the hydrostatic head of an umbrella would be, but it wouldn't be high. But it's a it's a nice little tight weave, and it's stretched across um, it's stretched across a bunch of poles, just like a tent. And to that end, you could pay, you know, you could pay a couple of thousand dollars for a fancy tent that would only have a hydrostatic head pressure of whatever, you know, nothing like under five thousand for sure, right? And I know those things aren't exactly equivalent, but it's it, I just like to put those things in people's mind when so they can say to themselves. Do I need twenty thousand millimeters of water? You know, it, I think my experience is that you don't. You really don't need twenty thousand meters of water, millimeters of water. Sorry. And so, just to try to get this as clear as possible for people listening, when we're talking about, it's like you know, on the one hand, we understand sort of the notion of like, oh, that thing says ten thousand k. That other one says twenty thousand k. I'm a genius, so that is twice as good, right? Like that's so there's a bit of that, right? Or like 30,000 would be better than 20,000 because it's a higher number. What you're saying is, okay, and and by the way, the testing of this, we're talking about spraying water at different pressures, right? Like at different forces. Well, it's a little more than yeah, it's a little more than spraying. It's like a it's pumped in behind a clamp, you know, so you're really testing a burst strength of a material at that point. Uh-huh. And so what you're saying is we are trying to explain to people why they might not want to simply look at that highest number, the highest hydrostatic head pressure that's not a sufficient metric to determine like what is the best jacket or what is the best jacket for me. Let me talk about another way. Uh, 
Yeah, so whether it's 50,000 millimetres, 10,000 millimetres, 5,000 millimetres, 20,000 millimetres or beyond, dry is really dry. That's one of the differences with um, with NeoShell and our water, other waterproof breathable materials compared to other things in the Politex line, where we're often talking about warmth levels and uh, how how stretchy you are or just all these kind of less binary things, things that are on a scale, whereas dry is just dry. So I'm telling you, you can be dry at 10,000 millimetres. I'm telling you, you can be, you can dry at 5,000 millimetres. I'm telling you, you can buy a tent at 1,000 millimetre water column and you're going to be sleep under it quite happily all night. So it's really just a, it's really just a different way of telling you, I'm not immune from from uh, from marketing. Politics got a great marketing arm, but I'll tell you that we think there's different ways to describe this thing, and that's why we emphasise the the breathability side of it. And it's true breathability. You breathe air. You don't breathe moisture through a. Uh, you know, you actually breathe air in and out. We did a great example on the. Did a great example of what it means to have a breathable waterproof fabric. Uh, we did this for some trade shows for a, a couple of like uh, customer demos, where we took a took a sleeve off a garment and stitched it and sealed it up at one end, and then made a little hole on the other end so you could blow a little leaf, little handheld leaf blower type thing into it. You take competitive product, something that is twenty thousand millimeters beyond whatever it is, and you can you can. Um, blow that up for sure you can clamp it up with a couple of like uh paper clip type things and you can hold it you can hold it and it's like feels like an airbed or something in your hands right it's bump, bump, bump. it feels like something you could you know tie up and kick around the room you do the same thing with um, a near shell sleeve and you, you basically just concertina it down immediately because the air gets out now i can prove both are waterproof i can prove that both will hold a hydrostatic head and we have we have uh, customer testimony, user testimony, athlete testimony, and we have lab testing to say that those things are waterproof. But what we're trying to really show is the the difference in the comfort you will experience wearing this thing. You will you will not have an opportunity to to build up that microclimate inside your jacket of hot basically weather, right? And uh, you will be evacuating it the more you the more you move around, and it'll just uh, it'll go straight through the membrane. Okay, this said. I mean, now it makes it sound like from everything you've just said, well, there's a lot of different quote unquote waterproof materials. Now it's just a question of how breathable would you want something to be? And it's like, well, you'd be dumb to not want the most breathability. But it is the case, isn't it? That with some of these different quote unquote weather resistant or waterproof garments, some will wet out sooner than others no um i'll be careful how we talk about wet out i think we're talking about breathability there and i alluded to mvtr before um mvtr is moisture vapor transmission rate so that really measures the time at which a set volume of um moisture can get itself through uh, a membrane right so the, the reciprocal, well, another way of doing that is by RET, which is resistance to evaporative transmission. The similar test, just measured slightly different way. You know, both of those things are have an R in them, right? And the R is the rate. You're really talking about time, a time for something to happen. Um, listen, there's great materials out there with, with high MVTRs. We think MVTR is a great test. We actually do MVTR testing on NeoShell. We think it's a great test for 
just measuring consistency of product. It's quick and it's cheap and it's easy to do. What it's not is a great test for how you're going to feel wearing that garment out there, right? Um, you guys sound like you've both been near shell users. I think you, you have that feeling as believing kind of uh, thing going on. Uh, talk about MVTR for a minute. It's it's highly influenced by the thickness of the fabric, right? So I'll go metric. So you have a near shell or any competitive material, which is around, let's just call it two millimeters thick, right? You put the MVTR on there over the test period of that, over the time of that test, it will get a score, which is, let's just call it nominally 10,000 MVTR, okay? We can get a near shell with higher and lower MVTRs. We always use the same membrane in there, right? So the, the, the rate determining, the technology piece is always the same. So how do we change the MVTR of near shell? Well, we use thicker substrates on the back and it goes down. It doesn't mean to say the air permeability changes of it. And I gave a good example of that, right? So Politech's been making fleece for decades, four decades, in fact, just like I said. Uh, we have some fleeces that are like two, three, four millimeters thick. We have some fleeces that are like super shaggy high lofts that are up to, let me think, I think the feasible limit's up to 20 millimeters, two centimeters, right? So just under an inch. If if you put that high loft fleece on the MVTR test, the MVTR sucks, right? The MVTR is just terrible. I can't remember what the numbers are, but it's it's not a good way to to do that test, to, to test that material. And that's because, you know, it's, it's just too thick. Now you can hold up a piece of our high loft material and some of them, are uh, light and airy enough that you can actually see through them here and there. There's no arguing that that is not a breathable material, and yet the MVTR is dreadful. The MVTR is down in the hundreds, <laughs> nominally. So what we tried to do with Polytech and, and, the, and Polytech Neoshell in the early stages of it was find a different way to go to market, right? Find a different story to tell. Anyone that was around for a long time will remember the DMPC test, which is the dynamic moisture permeation cell crazy like uh crazy piece of kit kind of looks kind of homemade looks like a kind of polystyrene beer cooler kind of thing so uh that was an attempt by us to sort of to show the differences of how polytech neoshell breathe over different uh over different activity levels so the dynamic part of it was we changed it from a, a pressure differential of zero up to a pressure differential of X, I can't remember what it was. So that was supposed to, to emulate the different, you know, from you sitting still, like here at our desks, to climbing a ladder, climbing a mountain, you know, doing something. That was supposed to show how the more you moved around in this garment, the more moisture and uh, more moisture would be uh, evacuated from it. So that was the, the way to show breathability. Wasn't really a great go-to-market thing. You know why? Because it didn't have a, it didn't have one number you could say that's the oh, the DMPC of this one is 20,000, 30,000, whatever it was. It didn't have that. What it had was a graph, right? It had a graph saying, oh, look at us compared to the others. So you always had to have a control in there. And it was not a great way to... Um, it, it wasn't comparable in the market to whatever anyone else was doing. But it was really, really emulative of how people experienced the the material. So... What we decided to do was over the over the course of time was uh, emphasize the the breathability, emphasize the true breathability, the air permeability of the product, and that's a very standard um, 
a very standard test, uh, very standard test equipment and an ASTM and ISO standard and all that kind of thing. And we know where we are on that. We know, we know what our membranes do. We know what substrates to use with the membranes so that we don't compromise that membrane. And we, uh, we like to emphasize that. Now, the products are not sold as... Uh, they're not hanging in REI or something next to other air permeable jackets. They're mostly hanging next to other air permeable, uh, other waterproof jackets. So we'll, I'm free to admit it's still a very difficult way to, um, to get that message out there. It's very difficult for us to say to win that hang tag war. What we do win is hearts and minds with people like yourselves that have uh, experienced this product and know that it's just sitting there right in the Goldilocks zone between waterproof and air permeability which really equates to comfort for anyone that uses it while we have seen some more air permeable waterproof laminates um in the past five years i'd say i think even bigger um which seems to have been kicked off slightly by neo shell was the switch from like a decade or two ago if you wanted a waterproof jacket it was stiff it was crinkly it felt terrible on your skin. I feel like Neo Shell, as well as like PowerShield Pro, were some of the first membrane laminates that actually felt like soft shells and didn't feel terrible on your skin and stretched and moved with you. And now that seems to be almost becoming the norm for three layer, especially three layer shells. Was that also a major a major goal you wanted to achieve when Neo Shell was brought to market? Or was it kind of a kind of a bonus effect of the different construction uh, Neo Shell used? Well, look, you're you're right that it, the, those initial products that we launched were stretchy, and it was absolutely intentional. Some of the attempts Polytech had had at doing waterproof, breathable style materials before kind of stuck out like a sore thumb in the range because everything else we do is about comfort and wear it and forget it about stretch, about, you know, mobility. Uh, and we saw that the market was kind of full of uh, really high specification, but highly compromised for mobility products out there. You know, one of the big advantages to um, to having a product that you can make a little bit stretch with isn't necessarily mobility. It just takes away some of the horrible, annoying components and noise. So I, I honestly think that people keep their neosteel jackets and move towards it and are attracted to it on the hanger because it feels a little bit different. We've got a bunch of products that, we, that really just don't feel like waterproof shells. They don't feel like waterproof shells as I grew up with waterproof shells, right? There's like, wow, this has got a membrane in it. This is something really soft, you know? Fundamentally, Polytech are a knitting company, right? So we were looking from the outset to put our expertise with knitting into um, into the lamination, into the laminated materials we're making with Polytech and make something that really stu- stuck out there and give people, give our customers an incentive to uh, to switch to us. It's absolutely, it's a, it's absolutely a component of the the technology we use to make the the products as well. But it's it was an intentional thing to do for Polytech to make something that did not stick out in our range as being, oh, these are the shells when everything else you have is beautiful and soft and whatever and you have these uh nasty crinkly things so yeah okay so this next question two part first is polar tech neo shell an electro spun membrane and second 
either I'm just not remembering it, but I don't think I heard that word all over the place when it first came out, and now I hear it literally every time I look at a write-up of a new piece of apparel or textile. Um, So I'm curious about that and why you guys didn't opt to use that super scientific-sounding word. (laughs) Yeah, I can maybe answer that last part first. I mean, what Polytech tried to do is to sell a set of specifications, right? We want to make products that that have certain attributes to them. And we were talking before about waterproof, waterproof versus air permeability and how to get into that little sweet spot there. Um, the way we do that with Polytech NeoShell is to use electrospun membranes, but it's not the whole story, right? It's not really the whole story. The technology, like when the brief was written for Polytech Neoshell, it did not include must-use Polytech, must-use electrospun membranes. It was like, here's a set of attributes that we want to do that will really, that will really change things for users in this community and we can do it at this price point, blah, blah, blah. And the solution to that is currently electrospun membranes we're not completely wedded to that it doesn't need to be that neoshell will persist whether we use electrospun membranes or not if we find a better way to do it then great can we back up for a second like you want to explain what is an electrospun membrane sure yeah if if you don't know what electrospun membrane is i mean the technology has been around since i think the middle of the last century uh, if you think about it in crude terms, it's like making a it's like a giant uh, cotton candy candy floss making machine where you your uh, your sugar solution is not sugar it's uh, it's polymer and you're using electrostatic forces rather than rather than centrifugal forces to to pull the little fibers out there. So kind of cool technology, you know. It's kind of cool technology. It finds its way into all sorts of different applications, usually in microfiltration, air filtration. So the cell phones you have in your pockets have probably got a little tiny piece of electrospun membrane in them just to um, to equalize pressure and to equalize uh, the heat and keep moisture out. So, but tiny, right? Size of your, uh, half the size of your pinky nail. Uh, it finds its way into things like... Uh, Headlamps for cars, same idea. You don't want fogged up headlights, but you want to have a air exchange, so have that kind of thing in there. Uh, being able to, there's also a whole bunch of it in uh, medical applications, but being able to do something at like 160 millimeters, 160 centimeters wide, flawless, and you want to use every single part of that, that was a real challenge for that industry to make something that can be used in, in clothing, right? The, uh, the applications I mentioned there, medical, industrial, whatever, they're all tiny pieces of, with high value. What we wanted to do was do big pieces and get them at a price that uh, was manageable for this for this market. So, yeah, a lot of challenges there, a lot of uh, fundamental uh, material science work, a lot of scaling up work with the people we're working with, and a lot of uh, a lot of two way conversations about how to make this thing so that it every single square centimeter of it works like it's supposed to work because if you're making making little uh if you're making little widget pieces for a phone or a car headlamp or whatever you can cut around the flaws right because they're only the pieces you're making are tiny if you've got a bunch of flaws on your uh, on your membrane that's the roll is like uh thousands of meters long and uh, a couple of meters wide then it needs to be perfect so yeah, oh, that's that's a big challenge. You know, there's a whole bunch of pieces to that that science, right? If if I mentioned that it was like uh, 
I mentioned that it was uh, like cotton candy, like little fibers. So you're drawing out those fibers. You got to uh, you got to make sure that the fibers are of uniform uh, diameter, and you got to make sure that they're they're moving along at a rate where they're laid down equally. Uh, it's just it was just a kind of new science for us to, to get into. Uh, there's lots of things that can go wrong. Put it that way. Look. And on that note about uh, kind of nitty gritty construction details, another fabric that um, I and our other reviewer, Sam Shaheen, who's a, our other apparel nerd, were huge fans of PowerShield Pro as well as regular PowerShield. And I think some people, including myself, have never been quite clear on uh, how PowerShield Pro differs from NeoShell, both in terms of like how how Polytech positions them in terms of performance as well as just construction because on paper they seem pretty similar. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities there. I mean, PowerShield Pro was Polytech's kind of first step into electrospun membranes. We had a PowerShield range for a long time. PowerShield really defined the high end of Softshell when Softshells were, were new and exciting. PowerShield Pro was a way to take that same kind of... Uh, same kind of soft shell approach, but to put a higher specification in there. So it is, it came before NeoShell. It's the same, it maybe represents a development on the way to NeoShell, right? So it's the same fundamental technology, but tuned differently. So your fiber sizes are different. Therefore, the, the interstices and the gaps between the fibers are different. And all that results in uh, a different hydrostatic head and uh, different air permeability. So if you think of the two things as a seesaw, right, you've got fundamental physics at play. You can put the hydrostatic head up, but the air permeability will go down. Vice versa, high air permeability, but you're going to compromise your waterproofness a little bit. You know, I, I can't change the size of a water molecule. It'd be great if we could, but that, that's that's what's at work here, right? So, um, but you're absolutely right. PowerShell Pro, what an amazing product. You know, I have a North Face quiche wire jacket downstairs from like... I don't know, 2010 or something, you know? It's just, it's still my go-to piece. It's still the thing that'll, that'll throw on for going, uh, for going sweeping the snow off the driveway, scooping the snow off the driveway, because it's just, it's got the most air permeability. Now, I think we talked a bit, little bit before about where some of the problems are. There, there's a product that is, is in probably even sweeter end of that Goldilocks zone, right? Where you're dry, you've got 5,000 millimeter water column. We talked a little bit about 5,000s, more than enough for 99% of your your uh, your activities. And it has like one and a half, two CFM, which is ostensibly double what we are with, with NeoShell, right? So it means you're get, able to get rid of double the amount of excess heat and moisture from inside your system. But it absolutely suffers from the hang tag arms race because the first thing people see is the absolutes of water performance. Remember I said you're dry or wet? So you're dry or wet at 5,000 millimetres or you're dry or wet at 20,000 millimetres. I, I totally get it that that's what people want to buy. They want to buy the one that's got the biggest number because they feel safer, right? What people don't see is that air permeability thing because it's it's more of a sliding scale. It's not an absolute until you get down to zero. And there's, you know, there's a lot of zero products out there. But the zero products will still have 15, 20, 25,000 millimetres of water column. So... It really is a. It really is suffers from the fact that why would a customer buy? A, a, let me say it another way: the customer has to really be confident that they can sell a five thousand millimeter water column jacket on its on its other attributes when it's going to be hanging next to twenty thousand millimeter water column jackets, right? And if you think about 
if you know the market well, you know the kind of price points that other 5,000 millimeter water column jackets are at. And they can be, frankly, they can be half what PowerShell Pro is at, right? They can be, uh, they can be Brand X's second tier. They can be Brand X's stuff that, you know, that really is impulse purchase, or slightly above impulse purchase. You know, if there's a, if there's a $120 jacket in a, in a big box retailer, it might be a 5,000 millimeter water column. PowerShell Pro is going to be difficult to get at that price point, right? It's more high end, but like like I say, you've got to really have uh, you've got to really have a customer who can tell the the story about all the advantages to their consumer really clearly, really concisely, convince them that that's the best thing for them. And uh, I, I kind of joke around a lot about when I do like onboarding or do product reviews or whatever in in Politech. Every time I bring out a new product range, I'll say, oh, this is my favorite thing we make. This is my favorite thing we make. You know, whether it's Alpha, Delta, some of the grids, even just fleece. It's like, oh, I love this. This is my favorite range. But I tell you, PowerShell Pro is just is just one of the ones that it's hard to imagine life without it, right? It's just absolute sweet spot. I'll say it again. It's just in that Goldilocks zone. It's just right. By the way, I keep thinking about the movie Spinal Tap, right? I mean, oh, yeah. this one goes to 11. Yeah, so right. it's clearly better. <laughs> It's one louder. It's one louder. So <laughs> yeah, louder. they they were really <laughs> they were really onto something there. But uh, yeah. you're working against you have to work against the whole spinal tap logic here, right? <laughs> it's a tough one. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's uh, so you're absolutely right, Luke. You know, there's 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 not so many there's not so many Parashield Pro garments out there. You know, and frankly. Um, one of the, the worst offenders of making that happen is the launch of Polytech Neoshell, right? Neoshell fits the market more where it has the the benchmark of what is to be considered a high-end premium waterproof breathable for hydrostatic head level. Uh, I, I, we have still have a bunch of customers that buy bits and pieces of PowerShell Pro from us, but uh, it's, it's just not there. The, everyone wants the absolutes. We can definitely relate to, like in our own reviews, we're... We often get comments, whether it's a, a ski or a piece of apparel or a ski boot or any product, like it's very, very easy to focus on specs and get hung up on that. And like, I see why, like you see a number, you can compare it to another number. You don't have to read 500 words about the actual experience of the product. So that's a, it's definitely, it's a tricky, yeah. tricky thing to balance. And yeah. I will yeah. continue to patch up my like seven-year-old PowerShield Pro pants that I have in my closet back there. Until oh, you have pants. Here. Which ones do you have? Uh, it, they're the old Patagonia Alpine Guide, I believe. Um, and they now have a lot of custom. I got like a book of uh, Cordura nylon patches that are all different shades of neon. So it's just <laughs> a pe- like a quilt of those now. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, still <laughs> one of my favorite pairs of pants. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great product. In the world of waterproof breathable membranes and especially electro-spun membranes, the most recent one to make a lot of noise was the North Face's Future Light, which is their new proprietary air-permeable electro-spun membrane um, that they're using across the vast majority of their lines. So I think one thing a lot of people will be curious about is um, how does how do you think, I mean, obviously we don't know all the details about Future Light, but how do you think it compares to NeoShell and, and PowerShield Pro, and um, well, I think it, what's funny to me, I think, is that Future Light 
had a very big marketing campaign around it, I guess it was last year or two years ago, where everyone was kind of convinced that it was the newest, completely new thing, and it was going to change the industry forever. And like, granted, we like those products, we've used some of them, but I think Polar Tech uh, warrants an opportunity to kind of say that we did it first type thing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a great it's a great product. I mean, it's it's no secret out there that it uses a very similar technology to Polytech NeoShell and. When the we heard the news was coming, and then when the news was released, there was a bunch of people that I know in the industry, and even inside Polytech was telling me, "Oh, you must be freaking out! You must be going crazy! This is this is terrible!" It's like this is this is great. They're telling our story uh-huh. with their marketing budget, like you talk budget you talked about. As far as a conversation with with our customers goes, you know, if there's what do we have? Like we have like fifteen hundred active customers or something. The conversation with every single one of them, except the North Face, can be, well, you're not the North Face, so you can have Polytech Neo Shell and it'll perform very similarly. And you can do whatever you want with it. You know, the only place you can get that kind of performance if you're not the North Face is from Polytech. So that's great. It's it's funny that you said uh, Polytech should have the right to reply and uh, should be able to say we did it first. Well, actual fact, we did it first, and North Face were one of the people that we did it with. You know, they were out there with, uh, like I said, with the Parachute Pro, and they also had uh, a Nearshell jacket in the line when we launched. So we we put some fun stuff together for our salespeople, saying like, here's all the things, here's all these uh, little quotes and little things that people are saying about this product. And I kind of framed it to make it look like they were talking about uh, Future Light, but it was actually North Face people talking about Neo Shell back in like 2011 or something. So, you know, we had just had a little bit of fun with it. Look, I think North Face will succeed. They'll they'll be doing great with that thing. thing. I think it's great that um, they're out there telling the air permeability story and probably find it as hard as we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They, I think it's a huge gamble for them, but probably one they were, they were uniquely positioned to take to move away from the entrenched competitor that had served them so well for many years. So, yeah, good for them. Yeah, I think the the kind of um, the relationship between them launching this similar product and your note about them getting to tell that story as well, that's a great point because, like we just talked about, like it's so difficult to get the point across um, all these points about breathability and relative weather resistance that we've been talking about. And North Face is well-equipped to spread that message, especially to the masses and people that maybe aren't listening to Gear 30 or like reading, spending hours reading about textile ratings and stuff like that. Yeah, and they've made great garments. They've positioned it well. They've kept the prices high. I mean, it's um, it's great for Polytech. Being a textile company rather than a company that's primarily making cut and sew garments, um, is there are there any unique um, upsides and downsides to that in your opinion, especially in terms of how that influences product development as well as um, kind of the the rollout of new textiles? Like you you can't necessarily like talk about a jacket that has certain pockets or whatever you're like if you could just talk about a bit about that being a textile manufacturer which makes you a bit different from a lot of other brands out there you know you're right Polytech is a textile manufacturer we have lots of different ways of making lots of different textiles as far as a brand goes we're proudly an ingredient brand we're proudly a 
premium ingredient brand. But if you look at how we present ourselves, we kind of go to market like a garment brand. You know, we talk about ourselves as if uh, we are we are what makes the garment the garment, right? We're we're a component in other people's product, but the way we present is is with more kind of swagger, more kind of chops about ourselves. Um, fundamentally, um, there's a lot of great products made from Polytech material, but it's the Polytech part of it that makes it exist. It wouldn't be, it would be, I like to think it would be a lesser garment without our stuff in it. Now, everyone we deal with, every customer we deal with has an option of what they want to buy. They can buy Neoshell or something else. They can buy fleece from us or someone else. They can buy, you know, we have a few things that only we can make, but uh, in most cases, they have an option of what to do. So if they're using Polytech, they probably want to be talking about the Polytech aspects of that garment, right? Uh, what what challenges does it give us? I guess if you're, a, if you're a consumer brand and you want to buy Polytech material, you're probably going to be asking yourself, who else buys this? Because how am I going to differentiate myself at the market? And uh, we see that time to time when we do something that looks a little bit wacky or looks a little bit risky, you know? Someone will say, well, uh, do I really want to do that? What if what if my my competitor across the other side of the Alp does it? You know, they might be using the same thing and all I have to differentiate myself is color in that case. So I think we're in a, I think we're in the nice end of the supply chain. You know, we are, uh, we spend a reasonable amount on on marketing, but we don't have, carry the weight of trying to market a, a proper garment brand. We don't carry all that uh, expenditure. You know, um, I'm sure a marketing department would say they they say they need another ten million bucks or whatever. But uh, I, I feel like we're at a good uh, the good end of the supply chain, so we can we can do proper technology and we can roll out that technology broadly to as many customers as we can regionally and allow them to go and say, you guys are designers. Politech are terrible garment designers, right? When we try to do things for test garments or for uh, field trial garments or something, it looks like it looks like the kind of thing you would draw and doodle on the side of your, your notebook in uh, fifth grade or something, right? We're just bad at making garments. But... Uh, we allow our we allow our customers and their designers to you know uh, to go and flex their muscles when it comes to design. It's like it's a great example we've got going on right now where I've got a few like weird looking things that frankly the Polytech product team doesn't know what to do with, right? With like it started off as one development and it's like well, how does this end? Where is this going? And what will this become? And we're not the people to answer those questions. We want to take that and put it in the hands of designer A, B, C, D, whoever it is, and say like we've got this. This is what we think of it. What do you think you can do with it? So that's. I think that's the kind of that's really one of the fun parts of the job to do that collaborative process when you've got something. And I can I can think of a few right now. It's like, well, this is a great development, but what is it? You know, what do we really do with this? And that's where some of the best innovations come from. When someone says, you know, this is just what I'm looking for. I can use this there. That replaces this, and that replaces these two things with your one thing. So. Um, you know, we've had uh, fits and starts over the years of doing garments and doing things, but we're in a, we're in a nice spot. We like to be the uh, textile technology people, you know, solving problems at the at the yarn and material science level. This has been, you know, certainly an evolving thing, but you know, feel free to correct me if you disagree with my telling of this story. But you know, but again, to be clear, this is evolving. But I think we used to live in a world 
where, you know, another textile manufacturer, Gore, the idea was that they were going to exercise a lot more control or dictate that their textiles were going to not be quite as open to going a bit thinner or thicker on certain things. And the story was that Polar Tech was a bit more open to, yeah, we'll make that. We'll do that for you. If I understand the story, Gore maybe is becoming a bit more flexible, if that's the right term to use. But how do you guys think about that? Like if Luke and I wanted to get drunk tonight and then come up with some really bad garment ideas, and then we came to you tomorrow and we're like, Kim, will you make these for us or give us a fabric that works? We kind of want to do, you know, a 36 millimeter thick jacket. At what point do you say, nah, we're not going to do that? Or sure, okay, you're going to be the ones who have to sell it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an extreme example, I guess, Jonathan, but it's... Um, no. <laughs> you know, first of all, I'm going to say for many reasons, I don't want to talk about uh, Gore-Tex while I'm here, but... Uh, it's true that when, when we launched Polytech Neoshell, we were really saying to our customers, like, just do what you want with it. But they would say, but where's the guidelines? Where's the stitch guidelines? Where's the tape guidelines? Like, you, you guys have to work that out. We're giving you the fabric, right? So that was both welcomed and, uh, and frankly, put the fear into some people, right? And probably affected us getting some adoptions because we weren't holding, our hand, holding the hands of our customers all the way through there. So as far as... Uh, uh, let me let me finish that thought, right? When we're selling Neoshell, we we're selling a product with an absolute of performance. It had an absolute water column, waterproofness performance. And that was different from anything Polytech had. Therefore, it was probably the first time that we'd said to people, hey, you're buying this waterproof material. You probably want to make a waterproof garment from it, right? You probably want to make it so that it's got good seams on it. You probably want to make it so that you're using Neoshell all over it. Um, we did allow the flexibility of it, and we'd had some conversations with some people who who wanted to um, they wanted to use neoshell across the shoulders and use fleece down the front and the back. Right? It's like, well, okay, I, I see what you're trying to do, but we're kind of new in this world. We would rather you didn't call that a neoshell garment. You know, we want to keep the story in neoshell kind of pure, especially in the first few years. Get get the message out there that this is what this fabric does, and this is how it compares to the others. Aside from that. Guys, it's like, there's, I think there's 450 open line items in the Politech sales people's bags, right? That's a lot. You know, that's kind of split over, I guess, uh, 40% base layer, 40% mid layer fleecy stuff, and then 20% uh, outerwear, shell, weather protection, whatever you want to call it. We are totally happy to listen to people's ideas. And we're frankly, we're, uh, we have too many customers to control if they want to do whatever they want to do with it, right? So, uh, you know, I guess there's a kind of convergence towards the classic styles out there in the market. Whether it's got Polartec in it or not, you, you know what you're going to find when you go out looking for uh, a mid-layer with a hood, you know? You get the one with the full zip, you get the one with the quarter zip, you get the one without the hood, whatever. Uh, most people know how to do that. But, yeah, we see some wacky stuff and um, we're... Frankly, we love seeing it. You know, we just did our Apex Award launch thing this week. Apex Awards is a Politec um, yearly award thing where we're kind of awarding ourselves. We're awarding the, the customers who have 
done the best things with the stuff that they've bought from us you know and you just have to look through that um i'm on the i'm on the uh the group of people who who judge that and it's it's democratic but we also are very aware that we want to see cool wacky stuff you know we want to see things in there so i think three or four years ago we had a guy who was making um making little high-tech neoshell jackets for dogs you know and it was just like <laughs> The amount of kind of Instagram traction we got off that kind of thing, you know, whether we sold the guy 400 meters of fabric or not, I don't know. But uh, we love seeing that kind of stuff. We are we're happy to admit that we're not garment designers and we don't have the we have an idea of the problems that got to be solved, but not necessarily the nuances of how um, garments should be put together and what goes best where. I mean, if you look at if you take it back to its absolute core and say, look at the range of places where fleece is used, right? fleece like we said at the start of this this conversation that was made to be a mid-layer quarter zip full zip maybe a hood was the most rakish thing you could do with it nowadays there's you know we saw the the full fleece um i call them dungarees but full fleece kind of overall bibs from supreme we saw those right okay i you know i've been in this game a while and i just can't imagine the usage occasion for a full set of fleece (laughs) bright red 200 weight fleece fans right but you know there's a customer for them similarly look at some of our away from the kind of core sports and snow and rock and everything you look at where fleece finds traction we're like banana republic and uh we've got this um got this brand i didn't know before called dudley stevens who are buying politic fleece and you know it's like a, a woman's outfitters i think it's all online it might be in malls i don't know i was i wasn't aware of it but it's it's a good customer for us now right so um how did we end up with that kind of business? We had that got that kind of business because we have salespeople that are saying, hey, what do I know? Why don't I just knock on the door here and find out what they can do with our fabrics? And we have some amazing stuff in that line, guys. You know, the 400-odd pieces, you put that in front of a designer and product people at any garment world, any anywhere in the garment world, and they're like, oh, my God, this is beautiful. This feels like this. This is beautiful. You know, like we had one with a... We started using a lot of natural materials, using tinsel, using some wool in some of our fabrics over the last few years, uh, sometimes for technical reasons, sometimes for an aesthetic reason. And some of these things are just amazing. We, show, we showed this thing, which I call it like a non-fleecy fleece, right? Everyone wants all the attributes of fleece, but they don't necessarily want it to look like fleece. So the amount of times we get a brief across our desk and say, hey, we're looking for something that's uh, lightweight, warm, breathable, stretchy, can be dyed any color, quick dry. Yeah, that's fleece. No, it can't, it can't be fleece, though. It just can't be fleece. So we took that on the chin and tried to make a whole bunch of things that were more sort of casual, city, city after work kind of orientated, you know, like... Um, anyway, made a bunch of those. And I showed it to someone once in the... Uh, the woman who was the designer or the product expert there said, oh, it's like stroking the back of a kitten's ear. I was like, well, wow. okay, let's get the PO book out right right now. <laughs> let's uh, let's place some orders here, you know? We're not going to top that. So that is not somewhere we would expect it to find Polytech products when we started this this uh, fleece business, um, you know, all those all these years ago, just to be to be in fashion, basically. All right, so moving on to some... Not some, I guess, some of the products that Polar Tech is most known for on the the fleece and insulation side. Um, two of the newer products that came out were Power Air and Power Fill, and they were both pretty different from what Polar Tech seemed to have done in the past. So, could you talk a bit about those 
and a bit about kind of what new steps they represent for the company? Sure. Parafill first. I mean, Parafill is, for anyone who doesn't know, it's like a fiber fill product that you would find in like a puffy jacket, you know, a, a synthetic fill product. Uh, that was something that we saw as an adjacency for us, somewhere where people were asking for a product from Polytech, but we didn't really have a way to to supply that. We have another product range called Polytech Alpha, which we think is uh, kind of used in a similar kind of garment where we kind of introduced the, the concept of breathable insulation in there. Polytech Alpha is something, a breathable sandwich layer, uh, lining layer, fill layer that doesn't require you to use downproof materials either side of it to keep the material in. So that's a very, it's an amazing product and it finds itself into all different applications. But people were also asking us, hey, if we'll do power, we'll do Polytech Alpha with you, but we also need the the basics. We also need something from Polytech that is the, the fiber fill that can go in into a range alongside Alpha. So like I mentioned with some of our other initiatives, the way we want to attack that is how can we do this that makes a difference? How can we do this that has gives people the incentive to change? And some of the conversations we had with the customers, one of the things there was uh, if you can make it that it doesn't need a, a scrim either side of it. Scrim is like this super lightweight, you know, I don't know, two, three gram, five gram maybe lightweight thing that just holds the material together. How can you put that how can you make a product that we don't need to just have something in there that doesn't contribute to the warmth or something that we basically throw away at garment um, at garment manufacture? So we took that and we also wanted to do it that was 100% recycled, post-consumer recycled with all the transparency of the global recycled standard behind it. Polytech has a long history of doing recycled materials with... Um, here in the US and uh, in other parts of the world. You know, we've been working with Reprieve and Unify since before the words uh, upcycle, sustainable, before we were all talking about that kind of stuff, we were working with them and uh, not necessarily doing it because it was uh, the most profitable way to make the products. We're doing it because we thought it gave us uh, it gave us um, something to separate ourselves with in the market. So Powerful for us was a, a pretty easy product brief to, dr- to draw up, right? Here's what we want to do. We know the product weights and we know the attributes you need to have. Let's do it in the most sustainable way possible. So that's been pretty successful. That's gone into the market. It's got a whole bunch of adoptions. It's uh, not the most technical product we do. And from there, I'm going to flip straight to Power Air, which probably is one of the most technical products we do. That is something for anyone that doesn't know it. That's something that um, takes... Well, let's talk about the product brief for that. If you look at the product brief, you want to make something that has all the attributes of fleece. So, like I said before, is something that is got a great warmth to weight ratio has got uh, is machine washable, is stretchy is comfortable, put it on and forget about it and we wanted to also address the uh, the question we're getting from customers, they were saying to us, what is Polytech doing to mitigate against microfiber shedding, plastics in the ocean that kind of stuff, so this is going back three, three and a half years I guess that's when we really started to get those, those conversations, uh, those kind of questions to Polytech, so what do we do? It's like, well, what is it about fleece that makes people think that it's a contributor to microplastics in the ocean? Let's let's have a look at that. Let's dig into the science. Let's work with oceanographic institutes. Let's work with test institutes to see where the problem is. Now, what I'm getting to here is that we believe that Polytech fleece is a is an absolute minuscule contributor, like immeasurable contributor to ocean plastics. 
there's all sorts of different ways that, that plastics can get into the ocean. I mean, paint is plastic. Plastic comes off tires. And there's a whole bunch of terms that we learn, and it's some basically terms that I still confuse and trip over my words with. You know, not every microplastic is a microfiber, and not every microfiber is made from plastic. So we really try to like quantify the scale of the problem there alongside how would we engineer towards um, improving on this. So fundamentally, cutting to the chase of what the product is, we we benchmarked our own our own fleeces for how much microfiber they use they would lose in the course of the lifetime, right? So we have an emulative test that we can do to work out how much fiber they would they would lose. It's talking like a tiny, tiny, tiny amount, right? Over the course of the lifetime we calculated it and it's down in like many zeros after the, the point on the on the gram scale, right? So it's a tiny amount anyway, but let's see how we can improve that. Now I guess we should talk about why Polytech fleece is so low shedding in the first place. For years we were making this stuff. We know that customers won't accept stuff if it has dust and fluff and all sorts of mess all over it. So for decades we've been collecting the the fluff and the fleece, collecting the fibres that come off it during manufacture, bailing them up and they go off to be recycled and reprocessed into something else. They get made into all sorts of stuff from like um, playground surfaces to like uh, dog beds and all sorts of stuff so we already had a we actually sell that stuff right we have a way to get to make our product as uh, as uh, low shedding as possible we're doing low shedding before shedding was even talked about so nevertheless went ahead and tried to improve upon it and the solution to that was the current iterations of power air that you see in the market where we're basically taking away those high fiber parts of the fleece and turning it in on itself so that the Fundamentally, it's not the fleece that keeps you warm. It's the air that you entrap between the fibres that keeps you warm, right? So if you can find a different way to entrap air in a structure, then you should go ahead and do that. And that's what power air is right now. Power air is fleece turned in on itself. So we have monofilament polyester face and back and another monofilament inside that that kind of keeps those little popped up bubble wrap cells of the Polytech power air open so that we can entrap as much air as possible. All that is recycled, post-consumer recycled polyester. So the resultant products are like the lowest shedding, uh, best warmth to weight ratio products that you can buy. Again, I'll go back to some of the near shell conversation. You know, we use electrospond membranes now, but that's not the only way to do it. The, uh, the way we make power air is not the only way to do that either. It just the, the ones we've got into market right now have uh, set the standard for what low shed is. The resulting products are 80% less shedding than our standard 200 weight fleece, which has been our, like I said, has been a super low shedding product for, for decades and we've sold millions of meters of it. So uh, that's where the Politech power air range is at right now. I did, uh, I was on a Houdini Power Air launch today. They did their uh, they did the product launch um, via YouTube. Just a link on YouTube, right? So there's a few hundred people joined around the world. You could see them launching all the new stuff. Uh, Houdini's been one of our great supporters in this product. They have been a Polytech customer uh, with their kind of flagship Power Hoodie for years. They were using Power Stretch Pro in that. Houdini's push is to have everything they can make as recycled and as recyclable as possible. Um, and they're using the, the lightweight Polytech Power Air to make their mono air hoodie, is what they call it. So it's 100% recycled, 100% recyclable. 
cool product. It was uh, probably still up there on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to check that out. We we just recently started using some of um, Houdini's products, mostly their their shells most recently. But um, yeah, I remember, I think I, I think they had power a few power air pieces at outdoor retailer last year. Yeah, they were one of the first to market with uh, with Power Air, the original Power Air with us. They and Adidas, Terex, in fact, mm, were first yeah. to market with it. And uh, the, uh, Houdini have taken the new lightweight one with the um, super durable finish, hundred percent recycled, and they've uh, they're pushing that as the as the top thing in their range this year. Looks great. Awesome. Um, just for clarification, if you had to, where would you slot Power Air in terms of things like? warmth to weight and breathability um, compared to some of Polartec's other fabrics that people might already be familiar with? Yeah, you can probably see from the garments it's finding itself, uh, the garment silhouettes that it's finding itself in now. They're very much like our Power Stretch and Power Stretch Pro things. Uh, even if the original concept was to have something that replaced fleece, it's really not replacing fleece. It's kind of replacing more of the high-end, mid-layer hoodie stuff Anyone that doesn't know Power Stretch, Power Stretch Pro, Power Stretch Pro in particular, is the reason Houdini bought it in the first place was how long it lasted, right? It is the nylon-faced, polyester-backed, super super breathable, super warm, stretchy, bulletproof garment. I mean, even on their presentation today, they were comparing the new Mono Air hoodie with their original Power hoodie, and they said, oh, here's one from 2004 or something. It still gets used every day. People love that. And that's where it's kind of finding itself. It's finding itself as a, a premium uh, premium featured hoodie with uh, you know with pockets and zips to match the price point, that kind of thing. So, yeah, not quite at the... Uh, not quite the Dick Sporting Goods level right now. <laughs> yeah. More of a premium product. Uh-huh. I mean, the story with, with uh, Power Air is it really slots right into our main go-to-market initiative, which is all about eco-engineering. You know, we, we've tagged that on to many of our products over the last couple of years, but in actual fact, Politecker have been doing recycled product for, for decades. You know, we've we surpassed 1.5 billion bottles recycled in the last... Um, in the last year or so, uh, and it just gets stronger and stronger. It's a huge part of Politics Initiative, along with our new owners, Milliken Company, to be as sustainable as possible. Everything we do should be should be with uh, recycled content or sustainable content. So, Power Air is just a uh, is the is the poster boy for that right now. But there's dozens of other products and well, hundreds of other products that are lined that have uh, recycled content in them. So, we've talked about a lot of different textiles if someone's listening to this and is like well where can i go just find out where all of these polar tech materials are being implemented do you have a nice easy single place for them to go to 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 sort of see a current list okay so i don't know if you noticed but there's this thing called covid19 going on right now so we haven't been able to get out in front of our uh in front of our customers, haven't really been able to go to trade shows. It's been difficult to sell. Fortunately, our marketing team has been pivoting a lot of stuff towards digital in the last uh, in the last bunch of months and the last year, I guess. So, the Polytech.com website right now is is just an amazing resource for telling the stories about how the products work, where you can find them. I think there's links to partners in there. Uh, there was, you know, there might be links to retail in there. It, it really is quite con- incredible. There's things on there called the 
it's called the the fabric console where you can go in and and look at the fabrics and nothing's a replacement for feeling them and dragging them through your hands and everything but we're trying to show as best we can what the uh what the fabrics do how they present how they'll how they'll feel so you know everyone's got a website right everyone has got social media we're we're loading all that stuff up right now and making sure people know where to go to to get the politics stories and you know the trade shows in january are going to be like that as well who knows um the next time we'll all be regularly in front of our customers so yeah the politech.com console right now is it tells every story really well i mean if you go on there you'll see the essentially the see the same uh technical information and uh features and benefits set that you could do when you were sitting down with a politech representative you know you'll see the the, the tech sheets and the uh, images of the hang tags you'll, you'll be able to see the stories there and it's uh it's there's ways to contact us as well if there's something you're you're really interested in well michael thank you for taking the time and um i feel like this was a solid gear 30 episode i did feel like we got into the weeds a good amount which is usually how i determine we either are talking about coffee or we've like really kind of dove deep into the weeds and um we didn't really talk about coffee much, but we did wander into the weeds pretty well. So I, I think we did a... Did we got a different kind of fix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, But no, this is super interesting. I think, I hope that we have managed to clarify. And conversely, I kind of hope we have muddied the waters a little bit for people. Maybe we've done a bit of both. And I think doing a bit of both would probably be appropriate here. And But yeah, appreciate you taking the time and walking us through some of the history of Polar Tech and, and what you guys are up to currently. Yeah, that's great. I mean, probably did muddy the waters. I know that, you know, because this is my vocabulary and this is uh, what I've been talking about for years and years. It can, I can kind of assume that maybe people know what I'm talking about sometimes, but like every other day at work, you know, if the worst thing that happens is that we all learn something, then mm-hmm. that's a good day. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, hey, Michael, thanks so much. We'll let you get back to it and uh, talk to you soon. All right, guys. Take care. Stay safe. Okay, well, it is time now for our What We're Celebrating This Week segment. And right now I am holding in my hand the very best whiskey that I happen to have in my house because this is definitely my Celebrate Special Occasions whiskey. And you know what? I think that we should all have a pretty broad definition of what counts as a special occasion, and we should always be looking to celebrate more things rather than fewer things, because you know what? Life is short. And so anyway, I have got here in my hand a glass of 15-year-old Whistlepig rye, and I am celebrating decency. Now, I'm not sure, you may have heard But there was an election recently here in America, and while I am not a Democrat and I am not a Republican, I'm one of those people who doesn't pledge allegiance to either party, but I do actually think that most of us can agree that we have really needed to elevate the level of decency in our politics and our policies and in the way that we talk to each other. Now, we've been talking about this notion here at Blister for months now, and clearly, we need to keep working for a more just society, and I really do think that at the foundation of that is developing more compassion and more understanding. And I really do hope now that this new administration takes that work seriously, conducts itself that way, 
and that we all, you and me, are more disciplined and intentional about conducting ourselves in a more compassionate and more understanding way too. So whatever this new administration may or may not do, and let's be honest here, neither you nor I get to control that, but what you and I are in control of is our ability to act differently, to do better. And so let's commit to doing that. And on that note, I am now going to drink to decency. Cheers. And that now brings us to the end of this edition of Gear 30. And if you are enjoying these deep dives into the weeds conversations, and I mean, where else do you get to dive this deep into the weeds with the actual people that are in charge of the product design? Well, then we really would appreciate it if you would show us your support so that we can keep this Gear 30 thing going and growing by taking 10 seconds to leave us that five-star rating in Apple Podcasts, subscribe to Gear 30, and tell your friends about the show. And for those of you who have stuck with us this far to the bitter end, we've got a little surprise announcement for you. This Monday, over on our Blister podcast, Cody Townsend is back on the show. And this is going to be like a new recurring thing with Cody. So we're excited about it. It's going to be a great episode. So you should make sure that you are already subscribed to the Blister podcast because I think you are really going to enjoy this upcoming conversation, and it's a new thing we're going to be doing. Okay, now I also want to say thanks, of course, to Michael for today's conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode, and of course, thanks to you for listening. Now, please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we will talk to you again real soon.